0: You're listening to The Self-Worth Edit, the podcast inspiring South Asian women and beyond to quit playing small and start trusting the power and wisdom within. Join me, Noshin, on Mondays as I share insightful conversations, tips for healthier ways of thinking, and lessons in healing our relationships with ourselves. Thanks for tuning in to The Self-Worth Edit. Here we go. Welcome, everyone, to the very first full episode of the Self-Worth Edit. So lovely to have you here. You know, let me tell you a little secret. I have now recorded this episode so many times. Honestly, I've lost count. And why is that? One, definitely because getting this project off the ground has been exciting, but also filled with fear, the good kind of fear, the kind of fear that leads to growth and learning, right? But also because in this first episode, I am starting right out the gate with something pretty personal, and so it requires a degree of vulnerability that I know I can have. You know, I've I've displayed that vulnerability before, but still each time I do, there are a lot there's a little bit of resistance internally. And it comes in a few forms. It comes in the form of judgment from people, it comes in the sense of asking myself the reason for sharing some of this information and whether it makes sense to or not. And when I'm able to really think it through, I know that it does because I'm clear on my why for starting this podcast. I'm even clear on my why for sharing this particular story. And still there's a level of back and forth that happens in our minds, right, when we allow there to be. So a one big thing that I've learned from this too is that anytime I start to get dredged down and that fear or discomfort or my inner critic starts to come out is the remedy for that for me is action. And I need to just turn off my mind and charge forward. So that's what I'm here to do in this. I'm committing to being the final recording. You know, other things that are coming up for me is how is the sound quality? And I. there's a degree of wanting everything to be perfect, right? When we start something and perfection is the enemy of done or good or whatever that saying is. Like, I feel that so hard and I've realized it so much in the past uh, year. So I'm really trying to just push forward. If you're here with me for this very first episode, I ask for and thank you for your grace with me as I learn this brand new space and platform and technology. And also if you have any feedback on things about the sound you like or don't like or the content or anything, you know, please do send that my way. Because I'm really trying to do something new and learn something new here. So I want to talk about today um, the story of my last relationship, which ended in divorce. And I come back to that question that I keep asking myself of, why am I sharing this? Does it really need to be shared? So first of all, I'll say, I'm not here to you know, detail out the nitty gritty of that relationship, marriage, divorce. And I do want to tell part of the story because anytime you go through something devastating and hard and sad and unexpected and scary, quite honestly, you grow and you change and you learn from it. And I've definitely learned a lot of lessons that I'm so grateful to have gotten out of this painful experience that I do feel a duty to share. And part of the reason that I feel a need to share and part of my why when I wonder why am I sharing this and does anyone really need to hear this is a reminder to myself that, you know, yeah, I mean, I needed to hear that. And I didn't necessarily the way that I needed to. I needed to hear it from someone. Truly, I needed to hear it from someone who I could recognize as some sort of future version of myself someone who had lived a life similar to mine experienced a childhood similar to mine and everything that comes with that and went through this experience in a similar way and so of course no two experiences are exactly the same but I want to put my voice out there and my story out there and my lessons out there in case there is someone who is like a former version of myself, in case you are out there listening and needing someone to reassure you that they have been where you are now and have gotten through it and how and that it truly will be not even okay, better than okay, then sweetheart, I am here for you. And I say sweetheart out of pure love for you, whoever is listening and needs this message. It's what I call myself when I'm feeling especially loving toward myself. Um, So know that that comes with real emotion behind it. And I welcome you if you are here listening. And I will also say, you know, that does not mean that the lessons I'm sharing won't be applicable to you if you are not married, if you are not divorced, if you are single. And it's this, these lessons also are not exclusive to relationships. You know, they are life lessons that I've learned. I simply will be telling them in the context of my divorce because that's how I finally learned them. And there are five lessons I want to go over today, but you know, as I said, they are applicable. For a variety of situations. So I hope you take what you need from this episode. And with that, let's get right into it. So this is a story about freedom and awakening. Because the truth of the matter is that my divorce actually freed me. It freed me from the social conditioning that was keeping me bound and small and settling That was crushing my spirit, and that had I continued down that road, would have led me to a half lived life, if that. And just as I'm not here to share the nitty gritty details of this relationship, marriage, and divorce, I also will not be using my ex's name because, you know, like with any story, there are two sides he has his own, and I have mine. And in my stories, I've decided to call him Jay. Let's start at the beginning. I met Jay when I was around 26, and for some reason, when I was growing up, 26 was the age I held in my mind as, you know, this is the age by when I'd like to be married and starting a family, which, hilarious, because when you're younger, 26 seems like, yeah, adulthood, like, so grown up, so old. False. But anyway, I was not at that point at 26, so I was already feeling a bit behind. Um, Even though, I mean, life was pretty good, I had just moved back to the U.S. from spending a year in Madrid, and prior to that, I spent a couple years in Houston, and I had been working in the field of education, but now I was back in Chicago looking for a job in my actual field that I had my degree in for the first time. And that was public relations is what I had my undergrad degree in. So all I really wanted at this point in my life was to get my career on the road and get a place I could call my own in the city of Chicago. But of course, I also had nagging voices coming at me as well. And some of these were my own voices and my own mind that were rooted in cultural expectations and what I should be focusing on. And some of these were actual out loud voices from my parents and others in the community. But they were all asking the same question. When are you getting married? Truth be told, you know, I had always thought of myself as a relationship person and I was feeling ready for a partnership. It had been a few years since my last serious relationship at that point. So I was looking for someone I could nurture and connect with and who could do the same for me at that stage in my life. And not really looking for yet. You know, I was first still looking to get myself settled, but I was putting it out into the universe that I was ready. My younger sister and my cousin, who I'm very close with both of them, were also both in very serious relationships at this time. And in fact, they're both now married to those wonderful men. I was the unpartnered one. And I was beginning to really feel the pressure and the wrongness, the wrongness of being single. I tell you all this background to convey that already by the time I met Jay, I wasn't in the best headspace for getting into a relationship. Why? Because I was coming from a place of needing one. I was coming from a place of feeling unfulfilled and not enough on my own. I was in a place of pressuring myself and feeling pressure from others which meant I wasn't clear-minded or thinking from my highest self. I thought I needed someone. That's what many of us are taught, either outright or by example. It sounds simple to me now, but I know countless women do not believe they are enough on their own. And it truly it breaks my heart. Whether not successful enough, not likable or fun enough, not smart enough, Women settle into less-than-ideal relationships due to all sorts of similar limiting beliefs, relying on a committed partner of any which caliber to ease that sense of not-enoughness. Is this you? It was me. I carried so many of these not-enoughs for so long. And allow me to reassure you that I've been able to dispel every single limiting belief that was keeping me in an unhealthy, toxic relationship. The catch is, I first had to take a leap into the unknown. What I wanted was a guarantee that actually, I am enough. Actually, I can support myself financially. Actually, I do have quality relationships and friendships in my life without this person. Actually, I am worthy of a healthy relationship and I am deserving of true partnership. And that leaving this toxic situation wouldn't mean I'd be alone forever. I wanted those guarantees and I could have had them. I mean, these things were already all true on paper. But when our patterned beliefs take over, we see those as the unshakable truths. So, what happened? What happens in situations like these? I, of course, didn't get any of those guarantees. How could I get something that I technically already had, right? What had to happen was I had to prove something to myself that I couldn't see to validate it. I had to be willing to let go of the relationship in order to test whether my theories about my not-enoughness were actually true or not. And I had to trust that they were not. And here is one way we become free. We free ourselves of our limiting beliefs only by challenging them. Only by saying, hey, I see you, trying to keep me small. Maybe you're trying to protect me, but get the heck out of my way. If this is resonating with you, if you suspect or outright know you're holding on to a relationship, career, what have you, because you worry you are not enough without it? I urge you to reevaluate. Because there is inner work to be done there. And until it is addressed, I learned the hard way, you'll be making decisions from that stuffed down place of not enoughness, leading you to fill the void with things outside yourself that very likely don't serve your best interests. And you might not even realize this is happening, which is why I say there's inner work, which is why I say the decisions come from this stuffed down place. We aren't consciously thinking about every life choice in this way of why am I choosing X and not Y? What beliefs are leading me to one over the other right now? What patterns am I falling into in this very moment and are they serving me or not? If anything, we actively avoid these questions. We instinctively shy away from the discomfort of our inner truth when it doesn't match what we've been taught on the surface. Case in point. Silencing intuition. In this relationship of mine, I actively ignored one red flag after another. My deep fears, insecurities, low self-worth, low sense of agency kept me stuck for years. Here's the thing. Often, the only way out is through. I believe we receive tests and passing them allows us to uplevel and grow. We'll keep receiving the same tests in different forms until we learn the intended lesson. This applies not only to relationships, but also to career, health, or any other area of our lives. I could look back and wish I had learned the lesson sooner, before things got so big and carried away. But things had to get big. We had to go through with the wedding. This divorce was coming. Because I wasn't learning the lessons any other way. One of these lessons was to stop seeking love and validation from outside myself. To know that you and I are inherently worthy inherently loved and deserving of love just for being, and that the source of that love is within each of us, not outside ourselves. Looking back, I had plenty of opportunities over the years to learn this lesson. This test, it had been presented to me in different ways before. I see that now. It took until now. It took this situation and Now I'm just grateful it didn't go any further than it did, that I didn't need, in this situation, even bigger tests. I want to say this, no relationship is perfect, I get that. I told myself that, in fact, over and over again. Relationships are work, I told myself, I'm here for the work. But deal breakers are also a thing, and I didn't honor mine. We had some good times, or we never would have gotten together. I didn't realize or I didn't care that I was living off emotional scraps. We probably both were. Sure, there were times I felt happy and maybe even moments of fulfillment. But there were also dark times, far too many of them, when I did not feel happy, safe, loved, or even liked by my partner. But guess what? One thing I did feel trumped everything at the time. I felt approval. I felt acceptance. I felt like I had done something so right by securing a mate and getting married before 30. I was lovable, worthy. I mattered because I was married by 30. Never mind the fact that we'd almost broken up, called off our engagement, or postponed our wedding multiple times. Never mind that couples therapy wasn't working. Never mind that my loved ones offered me outs, reassured me I should be happy, but I couldn't accept them. I couldn't admit how unhappy, afraid, and confused I was. The truth is, yes, we can feel trapped by society, cultural norms, familial expectations. All of that goes into it. But the hardest person to admit the truth to is yourself. Because it means admitting there is a darkness within you about yourself. It means facing your mistreatment of yourself. It means admitting you're housing shadows inside you. And you know once you shine the light on them, there's no turning back. You'll have to face what comes up. And it's quite messy and inconvenient to tell you the truth, but... mm, The toughest things are the best things for you. We were too far in. There was no turning back, only looking back hopelessly and looking ahead, summoning all our optimism that we'd figure it out eventually. And of course, we didn't, for many reasons, main one being that we never should have gotten to that point in the first place, that point where our combined insecurities and trauma bonds had landed us. We had some wins, but not enough. We saw some light, but it was dim. After years of chaos, my tolerance for it all was finally running out. Something had started to shift within me, and the breaking point was near. You know they say when the student is ready, the teacher appears? There are some podcasts that I still couldn't tell you to this day how I stumbled upon them or when or why I felt called to start listening to them. I truly don't know. I've tried to think back and remember. But regardless, they were my teachers. I was listening to these podcasts on wellness and spirituality, and I was becoming more aware and honest with myself about what I wanted out of my life, what was possible for my life. Love, friendship, peace, stability, security, understanding, support. This was all largely non-existent in my marriage. For a while, I naively thought, I can pursue all this on my own. I can cultivate it within myself. I can still lead this life in this situation, but I was kidding myself. Who you spend your life with is a huge deal. It affects everything from your health and happiness to your financial stability, your overall lifestyle, and even your outlook on life. I knew this on paper, obviously, as I've known so many things on paper, but I didn't really get it, the true impact of it, until I was in it. I thought about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and I knew I'd never self-actualize in that relationship. Because you cannot grow and expand and be more if your environment is stunting you. You cannot say you want peace and love and respect, yet put up with put-downs and other low-vibe behaviors. You have to live in your worth, make yourself and your space reflect what you're calling in. I had been asking myself for a while why I was putting up with certain behaviors, and I was finally meeting the answers. I was coming face-to-face and asking such questions with my own low self-worth and low self-love. I started to realize I was enabling those behaviors toward me. I was starting to realize the heartbreaking truth that my outer world was indeed reflective of my inner world, how I had treated myself. But the good news is and was, I was awakening to all these necessary truths. Ignorance is bliss but awareness is the gateway to nirvana. Once I started having these realizations, it was only a matter of time before we parted ways. It is impossible, once you are awakened in this way, to ever go back to sleep. I had thought of getting married as a necessary milestone, a gateway to my future even. It was as though someone had handed me a sequenced checklist to my life, and getting married was the next to do before I could move on to the next levels. As a Desi woman, I know that part of that for me also had to do with the fact that I always felt like I had to be accountable to my dad. I mean, I wasn't always, but I always felt like I had to be, and that once I had a husband, it would free me, in a sense, because on paper, to my parents, it would seem like, okay, the accountability has passed on, and that's when I would feel truly free. Not sure how much sense that's making. If you're a fellow Daisy woman, likely you can relate. But in reality, these milestones, like getting married, that we think of as fertile ground for planting our futures aren't always. Sometimes they're quicksand, pulling us in, detracting us from our true dreams or purpose. Sometimes they're not ordered properly for your individual path. They may need some rearranging, some deletions, some rewrites. Once I realized my marriage was quicksand, and that I'd never be able to grow myself or any other part of my life in that soil, it was obvious a clearing of our paths was the only option. And though it hurt like hell on so many levels for so long, I look back in pure relief. And lately, I've realized I feel a new sense of freedom. Freedom from the pressures and burdens and expectations I felt around marriage before. In a way, I do feel like I've crossed get married off the to-do list of expectations to fulfill that was bestowed upon me. Or I've rearranged the order of my checklist, you could say, and my attachment to it. So the attention and energy that would previously have gone toward ending my current state of singledom goes instead wholly to me, to my passions, to my aspirations, to my happiness and health. And it freaking rocks. (laughs) And while this doesn't mean I'm against men or relationships or marriage by any means, or that I don't want those things for myself still eventually, It does mean I no longer feel a need to prioritize that aspect of my life. And it also means I no longer feel a need to self-sacrifice to achieve those things. And I say that certainly not encouraging you to get married and then divorce to free yourself of this expectation. (laughs) There are other ways. As I said, I'd had my chances to learn these lessons earlier. I share all this in hopes that you'll absorb them sooner rather than later. Although I firmly, truly, and passionately believe it's never too late to start putting yourself and your needs and your wellness first. The sooner the better, right? And with that, let's recap the key lessons from this story. 1. You have everything you could possibly ever need within you. I know women, and I have been the woman, who stay in relationships because they feel they're not enough on their own. Know that in most cases, these are simply stories you're telling yourself. Stories rooted in fear, keeping you small. Shred these stories. Two, often the only way out is through. You can try to sidestep an issue or ignore it altogether, but it will still be there. To truly overcome, you must undergo. 3. The hardest person to admit the truth to is yourself. And once you do, everything changes. But you have to be willing to take leaps into the unknown to improve your situation. Trust is the key. In yourself and in the universe. 4. Your outer world reflects your inner world. Where in your outer world are you unhappy or dissatisfied? Go within to find the source and the solution. And 5. It's never too late to step into your worth and adjust your life accordingly. Thank you so much for tuning in to the very first episode of The Self-Worth Edit. I hope that you learned something. I hope you take something worthwhile away from this episode and that you'll continue to tune in. I'll have a new episode for you every other Monday to start off, and it will be a mix of interview style and solo episodes. If you'd like to connect with me in the meantime, you can find me at selfworthedit.com.